0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, and with me, Cam Russell, today we have the returns of... He is a documentary maker, a journalist, a teacher, and um, he's also a uh, foreign correspondent. He is Zan Azli. Yo, hello. And she is... I was going to say the most qualified person I know, but she's not actually. I know many doctors, but she's uh, the most recently doctored person I know, but not not that kind of doctor. And she's also a broadcaster and playwright, and she is Dr. Anne Lee. Hi,
1: Kim. Hi, Dan. Hello, everybody.
0: <laughs> so our three topics this week are, topic number one is, how are you doing? <laughs> topic number two will be uh, the collapse of theatre and the arts in Malaysia. And topic number three will be, what should we call it? Woke TV. (laughs) So uh, with topic number one, we are in the middle of a global, national, and indeed, really specifically, Klang Valley catastrophe. Uh, We might not even be at the middle of it. Perhaps we're even at the beginning. The pandemic, obviously. And this time last year, the numbers were... It could have been one two zero yeah um it's an astonishing climb and um uh, the whole world is in it you know there are images coming out of malaysia of hospitals trying to cope cemeteries being filled it's really quite horrifying and i, and I don't know about youtube but it it kind of feels getting closer to me <laughs> the, the, the strange thing is also that although i i am aware very much of the covid crisis and People queuing up, hoping for financial and food relief. There, there's a degree of separation for me. While the catastrophe is happening, I am also enjoying the Euros football. I'm also able to live a certain kind of normality and enjoyment in the midst of this catastrophe. And and I want to know if you if you feel disconnected as well. And I, I want to know how your are you coping because suicide rates are going up and i am beginning to feel a sense of panic so how how, how are you two coping zan you you have a young family mm-hmm. um you've been reporting opinion pieces for redhead foreign devil news services um <laughs> how are you doing um i think i'm doing okay
2: if you're talking about a disconnect you are kind of right like um being stuck in an MCO or in a lockdown, and now we are under an enhanced lockdown. The highlight of my enhanced lockdown is my wife bought me a basketball backboard and hoop and fixed it in the garden so I could shoot hoops because I go I can't play basketball with my friends anymore. And that's 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 my life, you know. Uh, and like you say, but the numbers are high. People are dying. People are putting out, hoisting up white flags, and at times I get worried too. Especially when it comes to work, like you said, I've got a young family. I've got to support my family. I'm self-employed. I, I worry. I do worry because I think that if the lockdown continues to end of the year, I'm going to be in trouble next year. So I, I do, I do, I do have these worries in the back of my mind. But you know, I'm still ordering Japanese sushi to be delivered to my house every once in a while. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, yeah, and I do face that, that 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 conflict too. I feel lucky, but then. <laughs> maybe a bit of guilt too, you know, mm. Cam. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, 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 that, that, I think that describes me as well. Anne, how about you? You, you look after people too.
1: Uh, yeah, I look after uh, two elderly folks. Uh, that's my primary kind of function at the moment, uh, supported by um, some research work uh, in terms of income and savings. But I think that, yeah, I mean, for middle... This sort of pandemic is really showing up the best and the worst in so many areas. Um, I mean, for, I consider myself card carrying if there were such a thing, member of the middle class, middle upper class even, you know, depending on on how uh, these things are, are calculated. And in being in Tamantun, Dr. Ismail, uh, this, this is very much uh, uh, an area that is, would be considered in that framework but going around in the car and just walking also yeah there's some bandera puteh that even in tamantun area is possible to see and i think for even though i'm able to support myself in a way that isn't like on on that kind of poverty rate i think it's important that what i can do is 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 donate here and there and and you know i My, you know, Zan mentioned guilt. I feel like I would like to be out physically more, but I have to be responsible for the two people um, who are extremely vulnerable. So um, even though everybody has finally got jab one, that's not the whole answer. Um, I've changed space from kind of my own home to what it was my father's study uh, and put a bed inside the space. And so now my world is literally really much smaller. And there have been times when, you know, I count all my blessings and I have many blessings, but even then I can get very down about mm. what's happening. And it's not just about COVID, of course, I and I don't feel just the sadness and sorrow or the the guilt. I'm just, I'm also furious actually about, you know, the kind of, what are the words even? Um, politics. Yeah, well, it's certain um. kind of politics, right? Which which is, um, 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 you know, Who's it going to be this time?
0: Well, yeah, the best of times, you know, the politics of this nation would be a pressure on us. We've been through um, economic downturns. And so we, we presumably have some knowledge of how to cope with that. But I think if there is a silver lining, I'd say as a culture, you mentioned the White Flag Initiative. Which actually was reported in Bloomberg by some redhead foreign devil as being an indication of the collapse, literally the collapse of Malaysia. And and yes, I would say from the outside you could see that. It didn't really cross my mind. The initiative to me is not about a collapse of uh, the economy. It's about uh, Malaysians as a culture are actually very um, giving and looking out for each other. My mother's in the UK and There's a difference there because there's like a real gesture politics out there. People are happy to make symbolic gestures that actually don't really necessarily add up to uh, an attempt to find a solution, to create a solution. But I I do feel, though, in Malaysia, people are trying to find solutions.
1: Yeah, well, I think, I think, you know, it's like the, the, the delivery of essential foods is being done largely by NGOs. It is, you know, and even if it's the white flag or the black flag, I mean, you know, kita jaga kita. It's these things coming together uh, um, that represent, I, I think, quite dominant moods and needs right now. You know, the kind of crisis is bringing out the best and the worst. And really this lot... I mean, they say, right, you point a finger, there's three pointing back at you. So, what is you, what has been your culpability in things getting to this level of? Well, the show scapular- is a bit of culture
0: and, and, and not a bit of experiment. politics. I mean, <laughs> they, they they can sort that out on other shows. But um, but I would say, i have going to wrap up this one up. So, I would then ask, I mean, I asked the question before at the beginning, how are you doing? And we may not be in the middle of this issue, it may continue. Um, how do we three think that we will be able to cope? ongoing? Zan. Um, in
2: my opinion, kita jaga kita, we all as a, as a society, the normal rakyat helping each other out. That's great. The white flag thing is great. Uh, it shows that we want to help and we are, you know, we're good people. But the bigger picture, if, if I were in trouble and I needed to hoist up a white flag, yes, I, I, I would. And I would expect people to help me out, you know, I, I get some food, get by for the day, get by some, you know, I have enough for dinner, have enough for tomorrow's meal, have enough for, for meals for a week. But that's just, I don't know, a very band-aid-ish. I would mm-hmm. rather feel secure that I have a job that after the pandemic is over, I can continue and build up my life again, rebuild my life. Um, I want to feel secure in that sense. I want to know that after the pandemic, my children can go to school, you know, it's it's that level and 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 like what Anne was saying, how do we get to this level? The responsibilities and all that of the people who got us to this level. I, I think about that. And Cam, you asked how I'm hoping. I really don't know because sometimes it feels like I'm just it's like a wait and see thing. Whatever happens in society, whatever happens with the politics, whatever happens with you know everything around me, that's gonna determine my future. And I feel very helpless
0: sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Anne?
1: I find it. That- Making new friends and and getting closer to old friends. They help keep my sanity. Yeah, that, it, it it's interesting. I mean, I, I you know, and also because I was in Singapore and I've come come back to here, which is you know not not much of a geographical distance, but it is it it is definitely mentally uh, um, for all kinds of reasons. One that I was studying and now that I'm not, but to kind of reconnect with some older friends who I I didn't have chance to speak to and making new friends again and kind of feeling a bit more connected with issues whether it's younger people or people who are in new areas that I I wasn't previously aware of or, or not interested in or you know so these kinds of new intimacies of friendship are things are something that I'm discovering and really valuing right now and and the the rise in understanding and appreciation of mental health and that we can talk about this and that there are lots of mm. contact numbers you know to to, to speak to people i because i think those are really important uh obviously yeah. Uh, yeah, has, um, and has. they're widespread now much yeah. more i think than yeah. even 10 years ago
0: yeah it has a uh, highlighted uh Endemic issues, anyway. So we go on now to topic number two, um, crisis in the arts and theatre in particular, Anne-Lee.
1: Well, yeah, so it's a crisis everywhere. Um, but I think what, what I would like to talk about is an open letter by Datuk Farida American and it's titled The Malaysian Arts Industry is Facing an Imminent Collapse. And th- this is addressed to the National Security Council Director, to the Minister of Communications Multimedia, and the Minister of Tourism, Arts and Culture, and it's available on the eccentrica.com site to read it in full, because I'd love to read it in full now. But the reason why I, I, you know, I think to me, this is given that the arts and culture have been in many ways in Malaysia the last 30 years in an imminent state of collapse, you could say uh, anyway, unless of course they were attached first to tourism and secondly to multimedia. So depending on how you define arts and culture, Um, things have been fine but for performing arts and particularly theater and music I mean these are livelihoods that have been decimated I mean we're not talking about a sort of a 20% impact I mean this is 90% impact sometimes you know the people are shifting to many other uh, occupations such as as everyone else has been doing Um, but I think this particular letter illustrates something which is of the gravity of what's going to happen afterwards. It it, it sort of points to what is going to happen following COVID-19, given that it looks like it's going to be around, it looks like some variant will be around. um, And uh, I'd I'd like to quote from it. There there are five points in particular that are made, but uh, she starts off by saying, there's been 15 months of having staff who've had pay cuts of up to 60%. um, And from the end of July, they will have. It says here we will be left with five thousand ringgit or so in our bank account. This is the, the Kuala Lumpur Performing Arts Centre, which has been really a very important hub, and not just English language. Uh, this has been a hub for for many languages and very many communities as a space to perform to uh, 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 and you know hold hold arts-related events and so forth. And they, they their loss of income comes from venue rental, literally because it's, it's that kind of a space. Um, but also the letter points to certain biases or prejudices against performing arts in particular, if you like, or that stem from profound misunderstandings. So, you know, it says, OK, how, how can the Kuala Lumpur Performing Arts Centre in particular and arts industry as a whole continue to ensure that arts is part of the landscape? Um, it says here, it is time for Malaysia to decide whether it still wants the arts to be part of the local landscape when we emerge from this catastrophe. You know, given that arts is actually under the negative list, uh, it's shut down indefinitely and it's been the last to reopen. You know, cinemas and theatres, you could go to restaurants. Why can't you go to theatres and yeah. cinemas? I mean, this this was an obvious kind of...
0: Can I just say with, with the article, uh, it's, it's really uh, free from polemic and rhetoric. it, it, is, it is about very uh, tactical uh steps that can be made to um help the uh performing arts. Can, can we just expand this out then? Um Yeah. Uh Zan, you um I don't know, are you a performing arts uh person? I think you are, aren't you? You have a ponytail.
2: Yes, when I when I read the letter, I mean I you know, uh, I, I feel it's directly affecting me. Uh, I do documentaries, I do non-fiction content. Yes, it borders journalism, but I don't really do a hard news. Uh, it has affected me, just like how Farida writes in, in her article, in her open letter. I, I, it's the same thing that's affecting me. I've had productions being halted, suspended. I have one project which I was supposed to shoot in Sabah in June, which is now on hold indefinitely, You know, and I've got a crew waiting, uh, I've got my director in Sabah also waiting, you know, uh, half of the budget has already been paid out and we need to complete it, you know, uh, so we can't. So I, I feel, I feel it, yes, yeah, it's hitting me.
1: Can I can I just uh, uh, say what the five things are so we're, we're okay. you know, super clear what they are. So the first one is fast track vaccination for all artists and arts workers. So even KLPAC and Pack, for example, could be a PPV for the arts industry. To get, you know, 60% of their staff, for example, have had the first dose, but 40% still have no appointments. Second, they want to be able to record performances and programs, at least. Uh, uh, It could be less than 10 packs. And to cut the red tape and bureaucracy so that they don't have to wait till phase three because, quote, unquote, we are drowning. Third, it's to segregate the arts and live events from social activities. Because, you know, performances, take a leave from Singapore. Audiences wear masks with strict SOPs in place. You know, no clusters have been uh, traced back to theatres, partly because they haven't been allowed to open, but nevertheless, you can see many arts uh, theatre companies in Singapore following these standards. We can still watch theatre, we can still. Fourth is that the National Security Council um, should not uh, penalise um industries that you know small scale performances for example if musicians are allowed to perform all day long at PPVs this would see a traffic flow of 8,000 daily then why not at other venues when you have 50 packs capacity for just one hour so it's saying you know move forward with evidence based data instead of just outright shutdown. The fifth is some people do have uh, production and program grants from Chandana, right? which has done a really kind of um, good job w- with what it's been given. But let's put the KPI and ROIs aside. L- help us survive first, because the grants are for when they open. If they can't open, they can't use the grants. So it's a catch-22 situation that is, is really uh, um, impossible. Sixth, there's two more, is that new grants and assistance should take into account specific needs. Uh, and, and you know, focus on giving loans is useless if you are not in a position to say when you can repay based mm-hmm. on on it. They need to be grants. Um, and seventh, which is the greatest, I think, is, is to lift, quote unquote, the whole ecosystem. We need venue subsidies so artists and arts workers can stage or record shows. Um, the deposit for entertainment license I mean this is a KL pack, so it focuses on KL there's a 10,000 ringgit uh, uh, um, put down your money first that that who's going to be able to afford that right now all of these smaller smaller things tax deductions I mean you know arts donations fall under charity and they're eligible for a 250 percent tax deduction compared to the process which is still quite cumbersome in the Malaysian context. So this is the tip of the iceberg I think because there's lots more to be said about how our arts education um, contribute to to why you know arts who cares about arts let the theatres open last who cares you know. Um, but this is, this is about being able to have a fair chance to safeguard livelihoods and to return dignity to artists and arts workers just like others Um, um, because one of the things that everyone is doing is watching tv is is are reading books all of which are arts and culture so in the case of malaysian theater these are the points that farida has made and i think it's it is it is a timely request on top of everything else that everybody else
2: Hmm. uh, uh, needs what hits me is that we actually have enough information and data to actually come up with proper sops proper guidelines for these industries to actually open up and 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 continue and operate we have enough we have enough information right even for uh, for for my industry production industry you know you can you, you can come up we have enough information to come up with proper guidelines for us to go that face by face <laughs> you know what i mean yeah
0: The authorities in this country um, have historically been, they've shown themselves to be Philistines. I mean, no, sorry, not Philistines, that they want to promote uh, an image of Philistinism, that that they, you know, the performing arts in this country have never received any money, until very recently, some money. Never. It's been pointedly denied. But you go to the Philippines, you go go to Singapore, where so many great Malaysian art practitioners have had to go, you'll see that people are putting money into the the arts because i mean as, as Anne says tv that's the arts books that's arts but but we want to show we want to show that we don't do it, it we need to be that obvious about it so hopefully the arts will become um a thought okay we must move on though and uh, and this will be an ongoing story we're going to come back to this one time and time again mm-hmm. uh we're going to move on to um well woke tv here on a bit of culture on bfm 89.9 And we're back with myself, Cam Ruslan, and Dr. Anli. And now, Zan Asli uh, wants to complain about Woke TV.
2: So, yeah, this is the thing, right? Um, (laughs) Because of the pandemic, because of the lockdown, like what Ann is saying, like what you were saying, Cam, we're consuming more of the arts, right? Uh, We're watching more TV, we're reading more books, watching movies, uh, and in my household, my, at home, uh, we've been watching a lot of movies and television shows as well. And what I've noticed uh, is that a lot of these TV shows that are being produced today, especially on streaming sites, right? Uh, all these streaming platforms and all that uh, seem to be, be very uh, woke in nature. Uh, I've got no problems with with, with wokeness. Uh, uh, and I've got no problems with uh, having having uh, TV content and arts content that is very socially aware uh, and you know create awareness for a lot of people and and yeah and I I and I I believe in equal representation in the media and all that, uh, but a lot of the shows that are coming out now have suddenly seemed to have fallen into a formula, right? Uh, which is very similar. Can can you paint
0: paint a picture of of this wokeness of of which you speak?
2: Okay, so we've been watching a lot of superhero shows (laughs) in my house. We've been watching Supergirl. We've been watching shows like Black Lightning. We've been watching shows like Flash, right? And uh, these shows are great. They're fun. They have a lot of representation in there. You must have several elements in it, right? You must have one or two characters from the LGBTQ community. Must yay. must right, which is great, which is great, right, right. Like, okay, hear me <laughs> out, hear me out, and hear me out, right. You must have a character of Asian descent.
1: Yay. Okay,
2: must be Asian. Yeah, great. It's true, it's true, it's very good, right? <laughs> Must have somebody who is African American or black, yay, right? Yay, yay. Yeah, <laughs> you must have someone who is a uh, Hispanic right? Yay. Yay. Uh, gender representation. You must have women, men, uh, you know, non-binary characters. You must have all of that, which is great. Yay. Right, And like shows like Supergirl and shows like Black Lightning, when they first start out, in the first season, it's great. And you watch this, oh my God, representation. And now I get to see all kinds of perspective, there's diversity, right? But slowly as they move on to the second season, third season, fourth season, and more of these shows start coming up, different series and all different titles come up. It seems to then fall into a formulaic rut where they must have it. And eventually the LGBTQ representation becomes a token representation. The gender representation becomes a token representation. Uh, the racial representation becomes a token representation because you need to. And it eventually becomes very preachy and sometimes even trying too hard, right? Maybe being in the creative industry, they can go about it creatively. There are shows that are great that have this kind of representation. Shows like, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of the UK series called Cucumber, created by Russell T Davis. It's about, it's about the LGBT community, right? It's great. I watch it. I love it. I watch every episode. It doesn't sound preachy to me. It doesn't sound knocking me on the head. It doesn't sound like, "Hey, everybody, listen to this. You guys are all wrong. This is a new culture kind of thing." So, so that's where I'm coming from. I don't know what you guys
0: can, think. Can, can I can I ask you before we unleash Dr. Anne Lee? Can I ask? Uh, you're kind of unleash. We'll see. <laughs> um, you're Zan, You're quite old, and you oh, might yes. not be the target audience for this. But your kids, on the other hand, what did they think about it? So this is what my wife keeps telling
2: me. (laughs) She is constantly telling me that I'm coming from a place of privilege. I am, you know, the privileged class. And this is really not talking to me. If it is talking to me, it is supposed to hit me on the head kind of thing. Right. And she says, this is great content for my
0: kids to watch. And I think it is right. What do the kids say? Do they, do they like it? Do they see it? Do they notice these things? They watch it. And the issues that I, I,
2: you know, that I see that's highlighted in my head, To them, it's almost normalized, which is a good thing, I think, because that's why we Mm. want that diversity It's kind of, they don't talk about the issues, they Mm. talk about the superheroes, they talk about how they fight and how they win and how they, you know, but they don't talk about gender representation, they don't talk about racial representation, and, and all that, right, so maybe it is working, right? But then my kids are so young. Mm. Uh, the, the shows are—I don't know—is it targeted to five and ten-year-olds? Yeah, yeah, or is yeah, it you it, know it, supposed it, uh, to be across th- the
0: board? Yeah. I'll right, tell you what—you uh, know—one day when the when the COVID's over, you come over and we'll watch. We'll watch old VHSs of—I don't know—not even Friends. It'd be like Archie Bunker or something. And, and, <laughs> oh, and, I used wow. to watch Archie Bunker. <laughs> yeah, okay. me
1: too. Me too. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: So, uh, Anne, what do you think?
1: Well, my dad was Archie Bunker. Um,
0: In reality. <laughs>
1: Yeah no, I mean I mean I'm I'm from what Zan Zan Oh saying. no! Oh no! Oh no! Hey, I need my to wipe my brow on. now. <laughs> yeah yeah. See, I have hardly watched those shows that you mentioned in terms of like Supergirl or I haven't watched those at least uh, not in a while. But of course, you know we have there's awareness around what what these shows are and we've said already that you, you were saying that it is welcome, right? To have more variety and diversity and representation. So when you say that then it becomes token, can you give an example of, of what you mean? Because I mean, to me, that sort of norm. I've watched a lot of shows where where the kind of minority groups are are in majority, you know, um, okay. and that, that is something which, so, depending on the age group and depending on what the parents will let their children watch, uh, uh, you know, they're mainstream and then less mainstream, I suppose. Uh, so what, what did you mean by the kind of token representation?
2: Right. So so maybe token is not the right uh, word to use. Uh, what I mean is like, it's become so formulaic, right? So it's it, because like every show needs to follow that formula. And if you don't do it, there's something wrong with your show. and And, and it, Production companies, producers, content producers, they feel that it's an obligation to have this. It's great to have these elements in it. But once it becomes like a a formula where you have to follow, then it becomes like uh, how we talk about all these formula formula Hollywood movies where it's just so predictable and so uh, in your face. and so. So For example,
1: does the LGBT character die or have to be killed? In some way, no, no, no you not about... a Negative, you know, uh, uh, because that's yeah. the kind of formula that that I understand to be a regular formula of. Say, if you talk about Hollywood movies, uh, yeah. even something like, even something. Um, um, like I don't know, promising young woman, which is you know about two friends at school, two female friends at school, and then you know what happens to to her. I, di- I didn't even want to watch actually what 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 <laughs> happens to her in the end because I wanted to bet that she will be killed. Um, but th- that kind of formula, I understand that if you're going to have uh, diverse characters, then there's, they they never come to a good end. You know that kind of formula, I understand. But you're yeah. saying that these are—it's
2: not that. It's not that. It's it's ah. more like uh, like. These characters they will then have in their dialogue a preachy kind of dialogue where they're actually giving a lecture and they're kind of explaining it to the audience, and you're listening and you're, you're watching the show, and you're like, Wait, these two girls are married, and why are they talking to each other? You know, telling each other that you know being married to the same gender or same sex is, is okay. We know you're married. You know, so it becomes very preachy and, and then almost all the shows follow that. It, 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 they feel like it's their responsibility to teach, even though it should just be a representation maybe so that it's normalized.
0: Okay. Archie bin Bunker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm with you, Andy. I don't know what it is. You're, what is- <laughs> okay, there you go, Kel. <laughs> there you go. You're with okay. Anne. <laughs> Anne, say it. State, state your position.
1: You know, I I can't. I'm so excited to see more uh, variety. I'm so excited to see more diversity. I haven't seen enough yet, obviously, to get to the point where I feel preached at um, or or anything. I'm I'm still oh, delighting in seeing these characters. I'm still. Oh, my God, look, this is like just regular. It's not even like, whoa, must point out. that It's not even integral to the plot. It's, it is something which is just a standby thing. And yet there are other yeah. stories and other um, uh, series which are coming out which are so informative. And they really do represent something which I think is is a relief uh, from the normal formulaic stuff that I understand. So so I haven't yeah. got to the point that Zan has got to. Uh, I, I have to, you know, I really
0: okay. do i'd say a couple of things one is that um th- these productions are all made by individual tv stations and production companies they're usually run by liberal people and they want to put li- give, put out that liberal messaging it just so happens they all do it at the same time yeah you get a log jam of it so they all think hey we're being new and unique but actually no you switch the channels the other guy is doing the same thing uh the other thing is that uh, you know in this represent representation wars and uh The culture wars are actually happening, and we mentioned Archie Bunker before, they're actually happening between, in America, between uh, usually a man, women as well, older men and women, and the shouting at the TV, because it's like representations. There's actually one community that is absolutely never represented, which is the red hat wearing Donald Trump crowd. They actually don't see themselves, and I think that it's actually a, a... one of the reasons point of anger for them is that they don't really see themselves ever portrayed as anything other than redneck racist murderers which might be what they are but but <laughs> perhaps they're being painted into that corner
1: yeah and you know if we're talking about domestic tv vis-a-vis netflix tv we don't have that kind of uh, diversity no. area, right not no. all, all the right Zan, i mean the, the characters that you mentioned um, we have very stock characters. We have very stock stereotypes. And uh, um, usually, yeah, you yeah, can say those formula, formula but, really clear, right?
0: But, but can I mention one yeah. last thing? Um, I, I tend to watch, I've watched a lot of uh, British TV dramas, uh, murder mysteries. I like them. And they they do the, the thing that you're talking about, Zan. I mean, they'll always have an Asian family. Asian from the British context means Indian. They'll have Indians in there. And it's like, okay, cool, they're Indians. But one thing that they will always do is, script writers will always portray them as, you know what, these brown people, they're just like us. So <clears throat> yes. they 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 denude them of any of their Indianness, and they become just sort of brown-faced Anglos. And it's like, oh, they're just like us. And often they give them actually Anglo names as well. Invariably, they give them Anglo names. Like, why'd you do that? Why not they be actual Indians? Just, you know, just being Indian um, they never involve the actors in the process of the creation of the character uh, but, and the thing that and upsets me actually I mean I like to see the actors getting a job cool but what upsets me is that when you do see the Indian or black uh, character you know full well they did not commit the crime they will never be the baddie and for so for me as I'm watching it as a drama it's like well we can scratch two people off the list of the potential suspects because the, the, the crime actually continues to exist in the white world. And these other people, do not re- they're not really part of that. But okay, well, um, do you, and then long may this last, son, as we, we move on. I mean, would you like to see more of this or less of this? Uh, what do you want to see? You're complaining about it. What do you want? What do you want? I,
2: I, want, <laughs> I want to see it so normalized that Well, um, I'm going to give an example of a really good one that I like, which is cucumber a British TV series called Cucumber. It's about the the LGBT community in the UK. When I watch it, I don't think about the LGBT community. I'm thinking about the characters, what they're going through, the relationship problems that they have, the relationships that they're going through, their lives, their relationship with their parents, with their family, their friends, their their entertainment. And and that to me, is more normalized, right? Uh, Rather than being told and knocked on the head, hey, accept us. That kind of thing. But I I know it's a stage-by-stage thing, of course, yeah.
0: Okay, but your your parents, right, back in the day, not so very long ago, were they watching Mind Your Language and enjoying that? Yes, they were. So was I. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've moved on. on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, we move on, though, to the final part of the show, recommendations, where we recommend something I think might be of interest. And my recommendation is very simple. It's get a cat. We got a cat uh a short while ago uh we had a cat before he died very young and we were heartbroken and devastated during the whole mco thing and we held off and then we got another cat and he's adorable and life's better when you have a cat uh actually <laughs> malaysians i read somewhere and i don't i've never been able to find this again Malaysia's amongst the highest per capita cat owners in the world uh which i think means that malaysians owning cats as opposed to cats owning Malaysians. but uh do, either of you do got cats um used to zan I used to have a cat, but my house—we have a lot of pets. We've got a
2: snake, we've got we've got a dog, we've got a couple of fish. Uh, yeah, so we had a cat before as, as well. Yeah, so oh, okay. we're pet people, and yes, I do recommend getting pets. Yes.
0: Okay. Cool. But I mean, yeah. Okay. Cool. So that's my my recommendation. Very simple. I love my cat. And uh, Anne, what's your recommendation? <laughs>
1: That's, oh, okay. Um well I'm I'm sort of torn between two things. One is uh Sabah from the ground, the twenty twenty elections and the politics of survival, uh, edited by Bridget Welsh, Villa, Chini, Somia, and Benjamin Yh Lowe. Uh it's that's just sort of, I think it was launched uh, last last week. Uh, but it's, that's not what I want to talk about. Uh I would like to talk about segueing neatly to something called We Are Lady Parts or Lady Parts. It's a... Mm. Uh, a six-part series that was I think streamed on Peacock originally it's a UK uh, series but it's about um Muslim female punk band and it's 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 very funny the songs are great I've watched it I think three times now and it's all on YouTube you don't need to pay uh, you just just look for lady parts
0: would, uh, would Zan Azli like it
1: oh I think so yeah, yeah maybe
0: yeah, I <laughs> yeah find, yes, right. I
1: think you would yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, i've heard great things about this show actually i really have people are saying it's like the best thing ever
1: it's it is it is yeah it it, it it's satirical of many things and yet the heart it's um created by naida manzo i noticed one of the executive producers is tim bevan so he's in there with something new again but it manages to surprise you know in in the way that that uh, um nice surprise as well as kind of all the things that you look for and what heartwarming and funny it's it, you know it's, it's it's especially because it's a it's a phd researcher uh who looks very straight-laced and very sort of you know um nerdy she plays great guitar as well on the night so the premise is how 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 does she survive that because she also has terrible stage fright yeah it's i okay. don't want to say anymore more no. it's okay so fun. that's
0: uh this is i hope so yeah. this, it we are this is lady what Lady parts? lady
1: parts if you yeah, you just google lady parts or, or right. we are lady parts, uh, we are lady parts. Uh, it's it's the it's a six part series uh okay it's, each one is 30 minutes so it's really you know bite-sized and consumable and watchable and
0: okay so uh, all right next and then finally uh is it a he is it a she is it a cis normative uh <laughs> <laughs> protagonist it. it's That's it. That's it. <laughs>
2: what's your recommendation <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm going to recommend uh, this new uh, local comic book series called Paradise Zero. It's a Malay comic book series. It's a science fiction comic. It's about a dystopian Southeast Asian world that is being governed and administered by a corporation. Uh, it's quite cool. It's very new. I think only the first uh, issue is out. I got sent it by the publisher, which is it's published by Lime Comics. Uh, full disclosure, the guy who publishes it is an old college friend. Of mine, but I've been reading it. It looks really good. Um, it's in the Malay language, uh, and it's in Southeast Asia. So that's say hey, 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 Southeast Asian represented. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you wanna get it, I think you go to the Facebook page. Uh, the Facebook page is called Block Surya, B L O K S U R I A. It's it's new. I like it. So maybe give it a try. Uh, and and I'm I'm quite impressed that in a in a pandemic in a lockdown. Publishers still want to come up with new things. So, yeah.
0: Well, let's just give the name of the uh, artist and author.
2: Uh, the artist is M.F. Ajif. And the writer of the series is Kyrie. Okay. And the, the, the publisher is Comics. The name of the series is Paradise Zero. Cool. How, cool. Do you, how do
1: you get
2: it? Uh, you, you check out their Facebook page. So it, it's there because the Facebook page is, they're actually a publisher and also they sell comics. Uh, the
0: Facebook page is called
2: Block Surya. We are O-K-S-U-R-I-A. Get it from there.
0: Cool, okay. Well, uh, so well we ended. Uh, sorry, we started dark, but we ended in a in a way I think where we represented many different communities. So uh, that that brings us to the end of this week's show. And uh, only remains for me now to thank um, special honored guests, uh, Dr. Ann Lee.
1: Thanks, Cam. Okay, Thanks,
0: and, and Zan Asley. Um, myself uh, cam ruslin and so please join us next time for another exciting episode and representative episode of a bit of culture here on bfm 89.9 thank you for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on itunes bfm 89.9 the business station